Nobody's perfect. It's not like you have to be perfect to show up in that place. You just need to be doing your work and we all will make mistakes. But I think it's really good use of our time and of our of our hearts to sit with these questions and say, am I just (laughs) thirsty for this knowledge? Do I need this for me? Or am I really in a place where creators brought me and is pushing me to share this? Am I being pushed by every single luminous thread in the universe to show up in this space? One of the biggest things on a lot of our minds is why would we want our medicine co-opted again and again and again and taken and then put into a pill or like reduced into a chemical and then someone gets it prescribed by a doctor like it's sad to see and I think that yes there's something that feels really disrespectful about that way of going about it know about this idea like part of me thinks it's very beautiful and then part of me is scared of what could happen and I think you know after speaking with my mentors and my elders and saying what do you guys think and really listening there is a generosity there and everybody does deserve to heal and they deserve to heal in ways that are reconnecting them to their spirit and to the earth and like That's how we are working on coming back into right relationship with ourselves, with the planet, within our communities. All of the other issues will become resolved. Welcome to the Fruiting Bodies podcast, an intersectional response to the mushroom boom and next wave of psychedelics. We're your hosts, Becca and Elon co-founders of Fruiting Bodies, a Portland, Oregon-based community platform dedicated to highlighting diverse perspectives. We are here to learn together, have tough conversations, and celebrate the leaders and creatives who are helping shape a better world. This show is for earth lovers, activists, and the mushroom curious. Come for the advocacy, stay for the contagious laughter. We're glad you're here. Let's get mycelial. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Fruiting Bodies Collective podcast. Today, we are recording season two, episode six, with one of our good friends, supporters, and people that we just love all around, Mariah Makalapua of Medicine Collective. Mariah is a medicine woman, a mother, a healer, a community builder, an artist, a medicine grower, just an all-around animal lover, and I just love her. And Becca and I have so much to say um, and talk about with, with Mariah, and we are so happy to introduce you guys to her and talk about some really good stuff that we have really been waiting to talk about for a very long time. And so with that being said, um, let's get into this. Yeah. Yay. Thanks for coming. So would you like to just, you know, talk a little bit about your background just to start off with, just introduce yourself a little bit and tell us some important things about yourself. Sure, yeah. Well, first of all, it's so wonderful to be here. It's a joy to be on this side of the recording for once and get to record some of our beautiful conversations that we oftentimes dive into in our combined work and friendship. And it's an honor to be on your podcast as well. Yeah, I think we have a lot of similar values and interests. 
Uh, some of the things that I do are a little on the on the down low here in the Portland area and beyond. But I'm really passionate about assisting other folks to find their healing, to find their reconnection and their remembering to Mother Earth and to themselves as the ultimate practitioner. I do that in a lot of different ways. And they've been developing and kind of integrating through just my own authentic expression. So I always have a hard time pinpointing when people ask, uh, what are you? What's your, what's your title? Because there are a lot of parts that are woven into that. But they're mostly around art and creation and um, just working with the natural world. And I feel like that is the true healer. And alongside with her, with that, is um, all of the plantitas and all of the plants that come in and are our allies, you know, the tall ones, the trees, the little ones, the mushrooms, and um, ones we are in relationship with and that we have been in relationship for thousands of years. And not only the plants, you know, there's animals, there's all of the beings that exist that I like to think of the work that I do as a collaboration with those and with um, with my clients. And clients is even kind of a funny, colonizing yeah. word to use. I like to think of it when we're talking about decolonized wellness, that, you know, these are people in our community, straight up. These are folks just like us who are on their path and who are asking for someone to come alongside them and celebrate, grieve, and help them let go, help them build so, yeah, I just try to show up and be of service in that way. Yeah, what, I'm not going to say age, but at what point in your life do you think that you felt this, like, calling or just, like, this pull to where you needed to focus and put some of your, your inner strength into that direction of, you know, holding space for others and introducing people to mm-hmm. this medicine? Because so many of us have it at different times, some not at all. Sometimes it's, like, a forced thing, but what time or do you have like a moment in your life where you felt like this was lately strong? Yes. So when I was a little girl, this was kind of in my sort of broken parts of my family and through a lot of beauty, but also a lot of trauma. Some teachings were around me and those I really like, I really was nourished by. And so since I was a little girl, there were many things that spoke to me that came and taught me a lot. And one of them was just this aliveness of the world, which so many of our indigenous relatives have as a part of our culture. And I guess it's referred to as animism, but basically that all things are alive and speaking. And in those dialogues, we find so many answers So when I was little, (laughs) I was a very weird kid, (laughs) but um, to others, maybe, maybe not so much to myself, but yeah, I really spoke in those codes and in those languages of reading signs. And I loved pulling from my mother's decks and little angel cards, little things she had, and would oftentimes like have collections of my own little medicine bag, my own sticks and rocks and flowers and all kinds of seeds 
things that were significant to me. And so throwing those before I even had words and didn't have really a teacher to, you know, I'm talking like five, six years old, like tossing things on the ground and like telling the stories Mm -hmm. of what they said, talking to the spirits that I sensed and felt. I'm doing air quotes around see, but it was more like a perception of knowing that they were there and that there were these larger ethereal like helpers that were around us. And I could see them around the land and see them and knew some of their stories. So that was always the highlight of my days and nights looking at the stars and knowing you know, stories of my family, star navigating, knowing stories of creation and just kind of like these just inherent parts that like I knew in my bones. So that always felt like something that was healing for me and that I enjoyed. It's like play. Kids do it naturally. And we oftentimes call it playing. I think that psychologists refer to it as narrative therapy. But as I became older, I really dived more into tarot reading and then kind of through my own healing and my own journey with that began, I think, bridging it into what I saw as more helpful than just being like a tarot reader or something. You know, it was like, it's really so much more Yeah, so deeply healing myself, (laughs) deeply healing the parts that felt really abandoned, neglected, or not seen, and just like diving into these things that felt nourishing and sense-making, and then being so thrilled to see how spirit works, thinking, well, it would be very selfish to just keep that to myself. So I loved offering it to folks and people began asking and just continued the journey. And then I think, let's see. So I had my sweet first daughter when I was pregnant at 17 and really young mom lived a lot of life through my teenage years. When, uh, let's see, I was about 20, I decided to get to travel. Like I dropped out of school to go on this sub- Radical slash research project around who I am and what were the ways that people originally have been doing to be healthy and, and maintain their wellness, not only in themselves, but in their families, in their communities, and like protect it and nourish it and continue it to grow. So that led me all around the world and also then back home to where I grew up, the land that raised me here in uh, the Pacific Northwest, and then um, began to integrate that. Started thinking maybe the best like label I can think of in terms of higher education would be art therapy. I had some great teachers saying, well, you're an artist, but you like kind of sound like a therapist sometimes. <laughs> and I'm like, oh gosh, well, I don't want to be, but I can't help it sometimes. I kind of dove into exploring that through school and, you know, filled out all the grants I could and just worked my butt off, you know, as a single mom to really try to get education that I had the privilege to access here. I just felt like it was something that was important to give gratitude to and like, see if I could continue to educate myself with. 
And at the same time, alongside that kind of education, I was just really diving into understanding my family, understanding how colonization had created so much trauma and how so many teachings and so many of these things that I had to go out looking for, the like ways, the traditions, the answers for it, like they had been taken away. And I was like, well, that's so awful. So I started really doing that decolonization work in myself by like understanding it. And when I really started doing that, I was like, whoa, school is really hard because it's completely like everything about psychology was just rubbing me the wrong way. I remember the first time I like had to pick up the DSM-5 for some schoolwork as I was really diving into going through art therapy and studying neuroscience. And I was like, no, people's spirits are sick. Like they're disconnected from all of this, like their own power from their gratitude, from their connection to the earth. And it's not even often their fault. So yep. how do we get back there? And and I just had to write all these papers. And I was just like, once again, the kid that was just in school being like, you guys are off, you know? And, <laughs> and I feel like this was kind of early in the game, in the like, before everything about decolonizing everything yeah. was really... I don't know if the word popular, I mean, in our bubble, sometimes it is more of a hot topic. But yeah, so I think that my desire for bridging that into healing work, into integration work really like led me into kind of, I don't know, the the way that I guide now. And just the things that I value, the things that I value in that work are sort of what made me drop out of school again <laughs> <laughs> because when you saw that you're like this is taking us farther away from what we need to get yeah, I was like, sitting here writing about it and I know I totally feel you on that and that's how we originally connected was through art and like the art healing kind of thing with like weaving the indigenous weaving that way and that's how we first met and were introduced to each other years ago and so every time you talk about that I'm like the yes art, healing, nature, all of it when we talk about you know certain sessions that we have and sits with plant medicine is not just those moments. It's all the art that you're doing around it and introducing it to people and telling them, Hey, there's therapy and just feeling the minerals of the soil and, you know, the ground and your art is always like nature based. And so people get to also like get something of yours and kind of feel that energy throughout those pieces. And when I met you, I was like, so many of us need this and we all resonate with it on some level, you know, on some level. And when you're talking about, um, kind of having this calling for it. Can we talk a little bit more about like a lot of people have callings. Can we talk about maybe a little bit of what is a difference between like having an interest in something versus like having a calling because there's a lot of different programs, a lot of people, um, you know, giving themselves titles and, I learned a term like false prophets long time ago as a child. And, you know, now we're talking about false shamanism. Can we talk about that, like holding space a little bit and a little bit about like interests versus a calling? And you have said the word calling and we all feel that that is something that you didn't have to force that you just didn't look in a book and say, hey, I want to do this. So let's talk a little bit about that. Mm, yeah, I love that. What a great topic, because I think that as people resonate with the healing that, you know, in Oregon, things are changing. We have psilocybin assisted therapy coming up and so many people's interests are piqued because of that. And they're feeling like, oh, wow, I want to be a practitioner now. 
And I think that I love that you guys are doing so much work to educate around this topic because I think at the bottom of it, we have issues like safety, container, and uh, wisdom, which isn't to say anyone isn't necessarily doing that. But I think the ultimate thing in here is love. And when we have folks who maybe have not put the work in and maybe aren't understanding themselves fully, they don't understand maybe what that difference of calling and interest or reverence for even, just the reverence for it and wanting to go that direction, it can be really disrespectful. And disrespectful isn't loving. If you're not leading your work from the heart like that and not looking at those kinds of shadows like the inherent disrespect from that, you can create more trauma in other people and more trauma for yourself, more work for yourself to go through too to later look in hindsight and say, God, why did I do that in my 30s, 40s, 20s, whatever, <laughs> years, whatever, and approach it with humility and really be asking yourself these questions. What is pulling me? Is it for me? Is it for myself that I'm craving the understanding to heal? Because if that's always what's pulling me, it's a humbling journey to, you've got to look at yourself first and nobody's perfect. It's not like you have to be perfect to show yeah. up in that place. You just need to be doing your work and we all will make mistakes. But I think it's really good use of our time and of our of our hearts to sit with these questions and say, am I just <laughs> thirsty for this knowledge? Do I need this for me? Or am I really in a place where creators brought me and is pushing me to share this? Am I being pushed by every single luminous thread in the universe to show up in this space, to sing these songs, to do this dance, to hold this space? And I mean, I'm going to use my language, but is my prayer so strong that it is holding it for other people? Because when you're holding these spaces for others in like a expanded state of awareness that's deeply connected to big things. You need to be solid in yourself. And again, it's not the perfection, but it's the honesty, I think, and just really trying to look at yourself and, and know who you are. Because you can say, I'm not perfect, but I have a great sense of humor and I really trust that I can love and show up for people in a beautiful way that's safe. And, and sometimes that's exactly the medicine that maybe a certain person needs. And I guess... Well, I'm kind of like flowing into the other topic, but it's just about like, what guidance do you have also along that? Like, are you deciding for yourself that you have a calling or do you, you know, have guidance and both seen like real actual people <laughs> and unseen like your spirit team, your guidance, your allies in the other realms, your ancestors that are saying, here's the tools, you're doing the work. We're going to give you a little pat on the back and kind of push you into the next step for you to show up here. Yeah, so, I yeah. love that. Yeah, because within your work and I know within the Fruiting Bodies, like lineage and heritage is so important and at the forefront of everything that you do and has been like, I know, part of your growth and part of how you've like connected with the medicine. And we talk about a lot of times people, indigenous wisdom, and we hear that a lot. Can you talk a little bit more about that and go into that more? Because 
you know, this is a conversation that we hear every single day, but are people really talking about what it is and, you know, ways that we can improve it, you know, in ourselves and like delivering a message and also with support? Yes, heritage and lineage and the pathways there are like a brilliant connection to the stories we hold in our bones. And there's so much lifting up that needs to be done to Indigenous wisdom, to communities that have held peaceful, brilliant, and wise ways that have worked for thousands of years all over the world. And they're doing it right now. And so when people say these things like indigenous wisdom, it like oftentimes feels like there's such a past context to it. And I just like need to reiterate that that is not so. It's just a long context. They've already been doing it, but colonization has wiped out people and stripped many folks who would be maybe you know, there's a generational pain and trauma there that like many people who would be elders right now, maybe are not, we're not able because of what has happened just in the last hundred years too. So people say, I'm looking for a teacher, looking for an elder to show me. And sometimes that is more difficult to find. And those of us who have found teachers know the blessing that it is, and you want to protect them and their medicine so much because it is, as you know, really rare to always find, especially if you're, you know, just not living right there in the middle of the location where they are. So, yes, I think that people can come with respect and honor and still serve medicine or carry altars and help with healing work and be from any race on this planet. But there is work to be done in order to arrive there. And that's like really looking at white supremacy, really looking at colonization and seeing where those patterns have infiltrated into the wide world of wellness. And it's disgusting to see how deep those things go and how they permeate people's practices. So kind of to jump back into like, when you're looking at your calling, (laughs) are you looking at it to have this savior complex? Or are you looking at it because you've tapped so deep into the healing work you've already done and you, you see the larger picture? It's a big picture to take in with your eyes, with your ears, with your heart, and to know that there's a lot of things to be considered, you know, Do you understand the sacredness of two-spirit people? Do you understand the roots of medicine and the other realm that you don't see every day? But do you work with that realm every day? Do you hold an altar yourself? Do you know how to pray? These kinds of things are really important. And when we look at lineage of ourselves, we need to go back and do that healing work ourselves. It just so happens that most folks of color have a shorter walk to do that. And so it's usually a little bit closer right now, unfortunately, because colonization and white supremacy have touched this planet and poisoned it throughout. Everyone has been harmed by it, everybody. And uh, yeah, so I guess the importance of honoring our traditions is to It is to honor our ancestors, and especially the ones who have healed, and especially the ones that were the tenders of sacred ways and of medicine paths, because 
we do need that in this world. We do need that healing and we need to know our plants and we need to know ourselves and we need to know how to come from places that are not always so mental. And these are the things that our elders taught, that they teach us and that our ancestors teach us too. Absolutely. With the lack of elders and indigenous wisdom in what is going to be a legal space here in Oregon, what are some ways or tools that you have thought about in order to, you know, bridge that gap? Because that gap is there. It's it's hello. It's like screaming at us. So many times people are saying, oh, my gosh, within these new movements, um, where are all the indigenous folks? Where are these people? Where are they at? And just like you talked about a minute ago, hey, there's history and there's reasons why people are not coming up to be in a so-called <laughs> space like it's mm-hmm. it's right there. So much hurt has happened. So much hurt will happen if people come up within these kind of contexts. So how is it that we, you know, remind people or bring in, you know, the elder relationships without, and in fact, like harming. Mm -hmm. Have you thought about any of those kind of ways? Because it's something we're going to all struggle with for a long time, but it's Mm -hmm. so important. So important. So important. Yes. And I agree with you. Like, it's something that's concerned me for a long time. And I cannot speak for any elder or for elders in general at all, because I'm just me. But I think that one of the biggest things on a lot of our minds is why would we want our medicine co-opted again and again and again and taken and then put into a pill or like reduced into a chemical and then someone gets it prescribed by a doctor. Like these kinds of things are, it's, it's sad to see. And I think that, yes, there's something that feels really disrespectful about that way of going about it. And, I guess that's more on, that's on a level that is like when we're talking about reverence and also equity, because that's what we're talking about when we're saying that there's a lot of access and sharing of these ways that can't be accessed. And then, I don't know, it's just, you know, we've had this conversation before where it gets really complicated because there are folks who live in the city who are indigenous, but they might not have access to their own medicine. So some of this comes and might be a blessing, you know, I'm not the great weaver and knower of all things and don't know how all of these come through, but I do strongly feel like from what I do know, there are protocols for a reason. And that's why we have elders to carry the wisdom. They have more years on us and not just years, but years and years and years and years and years and many generations of just a whole entire understanding. And those are the things we can't just make up in, you know, we're all here sitting in sick cities. You know, the constructs of cities are sick and yeah, many of us are trying to make them better and healthier, but to be in that place and then think we know everything and that this is a great idea is, I don't know, it's really entitled and missing a lot of the points. When you're missing an entire demographic of oppressed people, that is not equity. And so the folks who are doing that kind of work, I don't think that they can put that title underneath their work. It's not equitable when you're leaving out indigenous nations and the entire lineages of medicine carriers and just all, you know, 
there are certain protocols that exist for a reason to protect us. And we all know that there's so much more to our world than matter. And there's many people who only see in that way. So for those people to be making rules around <laughs> around how we're going to open up portals into the space of our most tender parts of our life, I feel like it's really dangerous too. Personally, I feel that way and I've also seen it and I've seen a lot of folks think that they should be the next, you know, they go to take medicine in the jungle and then they think, ah, I want to be an ayahuasca shaman. I want to be ayahuasquera. And then it's like, no, you just need to give thanks and like just maybe keep sitting with it because to come back from an experience like that and think that it's your task to be them it's like you didn't walk barefoot on that land from the minute you were in your mother's womb and came through and knew every single plant like it was your brother and sister. Like you don't know. And you might not ever, but you might have a calling to be some sort of a push for the collective to touch and tap into their healing. And I'm not here to say what capacity that is, but I think that what it isn't is this kind of like self-righteous, self-titled application of what you feel. It's like not very humble. It's not very grateful to, you know, just sit in your gratitude for a little couple years more and then see what it is that you want to share from there, I think is really important. And I think that there are also many traditions who've used mushrooms, and there's a lot of white people who could tap into what that is like too, you know? And there's a lot of traditions that have used all kinds of other medicines and and breathing techniques and uh, water therapy and, you know, you name it. The list goes on of medicines that Mother Earth provides us to build relationship with. It's not just mushrooms. It's not just peyote. It's not just these things that you can get these visions or have an experience that kind of like kicks your ego off the driver's seat for a little while. It's more like make it a practice. And I think everyone needs to do their own research into their lineages to find their beauty there. Because I think that's part of ancestral healing, as well as the decolonization work of like deconstructing. But also like there were a lot of ancestors who had things stripped away. So help lift them up. Yeah, I think that's the thing about it. Yeah, lifting up is what uh, we talk about <laughs> constantly. It's like, okay, you want to be in this space. I always say space with like air quotations, but it's like, you want to be in this space. That's nice. There are tons of other people in this space who need that support from you that are, are not say ready to go, but like that need that support. And you know, like you said, I've studied for years and years and years and held these spaces for years and years and years. And so instead of sometimes us as individuals saying, oh, I need to do what they do. It's like, okay, let's step back, say, hey, what is it that you need to support you? Like that ego thing that we're always talking about. We're always referring back to our ego. Like, okay, step back, look at that person and say, here, I'm your vessel. Like what, there's something that, there's something here that you need. Take it, take it and then run off with it because it feels so good to support people instead of always doing the work yourself to give it out, you know. It's really nice to have that feeling go through you. Becca, is there anything that you want to say? You've just been loving these conversations. She's over here and just like, ah, in the sunshine and bliss. And yeah, is there anything you want to add to this? 
Do oh yeah, could I could I add one more thing really oh, quick with that? Oh, it's absolutely. I think people also can hide in service work too. And so that's like something really big to just address. I just wanted to like put that in there because just to piggyback on what you're saying with totally. um, people, it feels so good to be of service. And the first person you need to work with is your relationship with yourself. Yes. And that is the primary relationship we are always in. And then that has to do with our spiritual relationship with everything around us. It's really easy to escape if you're just like like that archetypal social worker, just pouring yourself out for everyone yeah. continuously. So yeah, I think that there can be a lot of shadow work and sometimes folks coming to this and their interest peaked. We talked about are you yeah. interested in it and why? <laughs> so always researching why, what is pulling you? And is it like another way to escape or to feel better about yourself or to find a new way to escape and feel better about yourself? Or is this kind of, you know, then we're getting into shadow work. But I think that shadow work, it's really important to have a good way to practice dealing with those kinds of things that we see in ourselves. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think um, like you were the first time I openly started questioning people's work was a few years ago and um, it was at a festival and there was like a healing area. And after meeting the people, I'm not saying, you know, you're allowed to have fun and whatever, but for some reason, for, for the first time I questioned like, why are they healers and I'm not? <laughs> and I don't know why. Like that, and that not, and it wasn't a competitive thing. It was like, so you did your your class online and now I'm a healer. And I and I saw like it was the first time I saw like ego really like, okay, I'm one of the healers around here. Oh, do you need help? Oh, do you need this? Oh, I'm a healer. And it was like this, this, it wasn't just saying I'm a healer, it was like everything that came out with it and like putting yourself kind of above, like in that mm-hmm. like godly type of idolism mm-hmm. way. And it was the first time that I saw that and I was like, like you're saying, oh like Man, these people haven't done any shadow work. They went online and did maybe like a two-hour course and didn't continue to like go to the people who offered a course and say, hey, I need to continue my education and continue this work because this is just step one. And I loved when I was able to finally break through that because it really helped me discern and like put those boundaries of who I'll let come and take space and who I'll let give me some people's energy is really disgusting. And I'm Mm -hmm. like, I don't want you touching me with those hands. Like there's some bad stuff that's happening. And so yeah, shadow work, shadow work, shadow work. We can't just, well, it's another thing we'll repeat over and over. Mm -hmm. Well, it'll to the day we die. Yes. You know, like when we're talking about safety, it's precisely why there are protocols and why not everybody is the main curandera or the person who is the like elder that you go to for, you know, you could take a village or a community and there's many elders. Not every single one of them is going to be the person practicing medicine work. Some of them are going to be the amazing cook and the amazing weaver or the amazing, you know, like storyteller or musician or person X, Y, Z. That's why it kind of comes back to this, the shadow work, because behind the shadow work is loving yourself. And if you love yourself, you are okay with your authentic expression and all the parts of yourself. And you're okay to not need to be a healer or not need to be anything else, but exactly who you are. Yeah. And yes, that's safety at the end of the day, I think too. Love that. Yeah. I have 
so many good feelings about this conversation. This is the conversation <laughs> I've been waiting to happen. <laughs> yeah. I mean, many, uh, we've had so many good conversations on the podcast, but I'm just like, it's like water on like my parched spirit. I'm like, oh, yes. You just hit on so much like power in what you just said because our culture really worships like being in the front and being visible. And, you know, it's very capitalistic in many ways. It's like we worship growth and being at the center and all of these things that are inherently hierarchical and supremacist based. And we have that hunger for significance. And because we've lost this like lateral community fabric that is so human, the only way we can feel significant is to be out front and to be above other people and to posture and position ourselves like I'm somehow unique and different and have something. So now I'm worthy of being here. And if we can rediscover what it is to belong among one another and that we each bring different things and we're, we're like the plants, we're mm-hmm. this ecosystem and we all belong in this like beautiful harmony and balance, then we can maybe imagine how does that translate to what a culture and ecosystem of medicine work is where there are people who are their path has led them to like doing admin and helping people learn. Praise, <laughs> Praise the heavens for those people. I know yes. they're listening. <laughs> you know? And some people who are called to do the art and some people who are called to create the physical spaces where healing can happen and to nurture the gardens where healing can happen. And, and every so often you'll find someone who's like, I thrive in one-on-one settings, holding safe containers for people. It's not going to be everybody, but right now we worship that because of the culture we're in and that's seen as the new mm-hmm. thing. It's the thing, it's the thing. <laughs> you know, it's the shiny whatever and there is shadow underneath that and sometimes even being in the role we're in, which is a different type of leadership role where we're trying to help reshape the culture and help lift up the right voices that aren't being heard. We get contacted by people, a lot of young people who are like, how do I do what you're doing? Um, Mentor me, teach me. And it's like, sometimes I want to tell them, I mean, there's so much I want to say before, like, come hang out with us, which is A, we're seeking mentorship constantly. We're hungry. We need to be poured into because we're little babies in this world, you know? And also, when I think back about five, 10 years, what it has been mostly shadow work and like dark nights of the soul Mm -hmm. of questioning everything, you know, where do I belong? What is this pain? Like, who is my ego? Why am I at odds with my ego? How do I integrate, you know, and so much journey work too. like, sometimes I want to look at people and be like, are you ready for for the work ahead? You know, (laughs) because I thought I might die like a lot of times <laughs> in one way or another. And I think we all deserve to go through that path because it's so fulfilling. It's part of being alive is integrating and becoming friends with our shadow, becoming friends with our ego and finding where we fit in the ecosystem of life. I don't know how you just like teach that mm-hmm. in a course. It's like, yeah. it's like, do you want to come alongside and hang out while we learn and we can learn together? That's why I'm like peer support is yeah. like another essential form of this thing like we need people pouring into us and it's like a waterfall cascade everyone has people and ancestors and spirit pouring into them and like we need each other you know so I do wonder it's like I don't know how that translates into this thing we're trying to create in like a state I'm doing air quotes like there's so much that it's like this context it's just you have to laugh it's like we're trying to fit this like fluid huge magical non-physical thing into this container 
it, this very rigid construct we have mm-hmm. and not like lose the magic and spirit. And part of me is like, we're going to have to get really creative in our little micro corners of this world in order to like nurture and protect what magic is willing to show up in this space. You yeah. know? Mm-hmm. Yes. And like, what's the other option? Do nothing. Let yeah. everything unfold. <laughs> Let all these rich white people just take the reins and run us straight to mm. hell in all the people's healings like go into these terrible points of trauma and have these practitioners that aren't trained properly like it's too late it's already happening you know in the beginning let's see you asked me a question something about i guess we didn't get into measure 109 but i just wanted to say like in the beginning i was kind of like oh this is a horrible idea i was like wait this is awesome i won't go to jail anymore or something and then i'm just like wait actually no oh god and then i started looking and feeling more into it and i was like this is gonna be a really dangerous thing a terrible thing and then i'm just like okay too late it's happening and can i mention that we're doing the training stuff Okay. You can mention whatever okay, you okay. want. Yeah. So you always delete it later. No, I'm just kidding. So, you know, when we had talked about like, well, what are we going to do to help provide at least one little safe doorway people can come and knock at and see where they can get just a little guidance humbly and like with as much wisdom, ancestral knowledge, which is protection, and also like in the deepest and most profound reverence of these medicines. How can we show up there and what is that going to look like? And so I am really honored to work alongside you all Mm -hmm. and be building that with a lot of intention because we are not going to stop the spinning of the world here. It's just not possible. It's not our job. There are a lot of other things that we definitely want to stop the spinning of, like oil pipelines and the pollution of our rivers and microplastics. The list goes on and on of things that really do need to stop. But this one, if we can steer it correctly, we might be able to work on people's hearts Mm -hmm. and their healing. And I think that everybody really does deserve that. So I have... I'll say it on record. (laughs) I've struggled with this a lot, you know, just like, I don't know about this idea. Like part of me thinks it's very beautiful. And then part of me is scared of what could happen. And I think, you know, after speaking with my mentors and my elders and saying, what do you guys think? And really listening, there is a generosity there and everybody does deserve to heal and they deserve to heal in ways that are reconnecting them to their spirit and to the earth. And like, that's how we are working on coming back into right relationship with ourselves, with the planet, within our communities, all of the other, all of the other issues will become resolved. Mm -hmm. And we deserve that. We are all worthy of it. It is a birthright. And I think that we get as many people who are humble and who carry medicine altars, who have parts to share, not the whole everything maybe, but just to help guide a little. I think that's a good idea. And that's what my mentors have told me, that that is a good idea to very carefully and intentionally do this kind of thing. So I am honored to be doing that with you too. 
on a side note. <laughs> it's a mess. But yeah, it's great. Yeah, yeah. It gives me a lot of hope. And I, I feel like the more that we've kind of built out our team and been like, who's going to be here to help us do this thing? Like, okay, I can write the things, but what are we writing? I can bring in designers, but what are we designing? It's like all of us together are going to be able to be like, now we can have deep enough conversations and move slow enough to actually be deliberate with like why we're doing what we're doing and how and who it's for and what is the longer, larger vision of all this, which is deep healing, which can manifest into collective healing and liberation. Like that's the vision so far as I understand. I'm like, are y'all listening? I think that's the vision we share, you know, and that's what we keep going back to. So it's like, we need you. We need each other. We need all of our mentors. It gives me hope because some days I'm like, I don't know. We're in deep and I don't know about this. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I don't know if I'm supporting the right people. And it's it's hard because we do, like you said, it's like you struggled. And I think the second you lose that fear, then that's when stuff, you know, goes wrong. And so it's it's good to have that healthy apprehension. Sometimes it can be, you know, a, a really big like siren, like, no, 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 no. And then some days you're like, oh my gosh, I see how somehow I can connect these two. Like you're saying, like, and for me, it was like, oh my gosh, I was exactly like, you know, only people should be able to grow their own medicine and everything. And then so many people that who, who have reached out to me, like who are, are even people of privilege are like, I have no idea where to go. I have no idea where if I was to get any kind of like session, like where that would even happen, even if I had the access to the medicine. And so for me, that's where I can kind of like reason. I'm like, okay, with fruiting bodies, with you, with other people, we're here. We're not going anywhere. Mm -hmm. We've, like you said, it's indigenous wisdom. No, we are here right now and always have been here. So how do we Make sure that that's in every single thing, whether it be an underground kind of healing or it's somebody who feels safe in going into a certain kind of system or confines. And, you know, I have to support that, too, because that's somehow the only way people are going to be able to connect. And I, I'm, I'm working it out. We're working it out. Like I said, we all have we have the apprehension. We're all doing this together. And so that's that's a good apprehension to have for sure. I appreciate it. Now you do so much work here at Medicine Collective. Like you've done sound baths, you've done art and all the things, mothering everybody. <laughs> what what are some of the things that you're kind of like hoping to do? Maybe if there's any things you want to share with us that you are like hoping to do in the near, near future, anything that you would like to share with us about your, your collective. Hmm. Okay. Cause I haven't really like talked much about that. Oh, yes. Cause I, I guess I'm it's so busy, you know, kind of just treading water. Like we were talking about just staying up on things happening here and in the space, which is kind of taken on, you know, I'm navigating being, business owner where before it was a little more simple because it was just kind of me and sort of like just this sharing of my journey and what I was doing. And then I'd make things seasonally, work with different medicines as an herbalist and sell my creations. Then this space happened, which really needed to happen. And the space I soon realized was a whole different thing <laughs> to manage <laughs> So uh, we have, you know, our practitioners here and always trying to just make 
space for more black and indigenous and other folks of color who are practitioners who want a space to practice. And not only for that, but then everyone who wants to come and know that this is a space for them as it is for all of us, but a safe space for us to heal and to explore our own unfolding and unraveling as well. You know, all of it is just what happens down here and where I see it going. Yeah, if anyone would love to give me land back, I'd be really happy to take those reparations. (laughs) Yeah. So that's kind of where I'm seeing it going is just really transporting everything that we have here and moving it over to the to be on more land. I'm really grateful to be here kind of in the heart of the city too, and just like be really accessible to folks. That's been a blessing to really learn up close and like grassroots style of how we show up and, and like meet each other's needs in community. Yeah, but it's it's interesting because I'm definitely kind of a hermit and an artist and like have my my own clients as a practitioner. So, you know, as the thing called Medicine Collective expands, I'm just really working on the parameters of of that and how to best support it. So, yes, but it's been a beautiful journey. And I love watching it grow into watering the parts of the garden around me where it's dry and just kind of really provide that. So, yes, definitely looking for land, though. And yeah. if anyone, Or if anyone just wants to donate, like, a million dollars or something to <laughs> Just a million or two. Some, yeah, maybe two looking at these um, prices. These prices are <laughs> weird. <laughs> what is going on? I don't even know what's going yeah. on. But, oh, my gosh. But to speak to it in a not very funny way, it is extremely horrific how much air quoting land costs <laughs> because this is just it is our job to tend this land and there are people not doing that and it's like what the fuck is going on where people like us have to raise money so that we can heal on the land that we love i've dedicated my life to doing this this is what i'm doing forever and then the struggles of access to have a spot where people can come and eat mushrooms together mm-hmm. is like impossible to find or you have to pay to use someone else's land or you have to have a friend, a homie. And then, you know, but to buy your own is like, or you have to be a millionaire. So yeah. those kinds of things just, they really, yes, that's disgusting. And it's really sad to not see that kind of access because I would love to take like especially like more urban native community, but also anybody to the place that heals all, which is out in nature. And it's like you're either on public land where there's, if it's by a river, there's people drinking alcohol or there's people doing whatever. And it's like not a space where it's dedicated to healing. Yeah, it breaks my heart, definitely. And it is a struggle that we come up against so much to get land as black and brown people and to come through what we come through and then to be expected to fork out, you know, $2 million to get, you know, 10 acres of land somewhere within a two-hour radius of the airport, you know, (laughs) something like that. And it's just like, wow. So... That's another thing about just the accessibility to this kind of medicine, you know, and also not everyone can afford to travel to Mexico or to Colombia to do these retreats or these things. 
it's a birthright. And so I think that more people need to give their land back to the people who love it and who want to tend it and who want to bring more beauty into the community and not just let them use it, but give it back, mm-hmm. you know, the stewardship. Yeah. It's really important. And that's part of decolonizing work too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. People are sitting there with like, summer homes that are just being eaten by the forest that they're not touched in five years. And then there's, you come in the city and you see street after street of houseless people with nowhere to even be. And there's all these people with multiple homes. And that's, that's disgusting to me. That is a sickness. That is a sickness from colonization. Yeah. We talk about that a lot and just, also, like the detachment from we own at certain points in history, like not us having to like prove ourselves that we are, you know, not dirty and squalor and not like an old, old witch woman. Like we had to like, you know, straighten her hair, dress this kind of way. So there was also this huge like detachment from nature. And now that people are quote unquote reclaiming it, I'm like, whoa, 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 let's rewind back. Like you were detached from nature and from land was because it's money and land is worth money. And so when you get somebody to hate, you know, the land that they're attending, then also then it's like, okay. And then somebody else is able to swoop on and Mm -hmm. get it. And then, like you said, now we're like, okay, we realize that you guys made us act in these ways to get us off of this. And so now it's like what you're saying. We have to buy the land and then buy the medicine or right now we're trying we're working with, okay, yeah, if this is available, like who's growing the medicine? <laughs> like that's a huge thing. Like personally, I would love for fruiting bodies to have like black and brown mushroom growers because there is energy in what you're growing and compared to a bunch of, uh, you know, white young dudes in a warehouse. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, here's a bunch of medicine from these white young dudes in a warehouse to heal your ancestral trauma. Uh-huh. Like, no. Like, so, I, yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, I don't like that. And so that's, like, oh. one of the reasons I think, like, why people like us need to, like, say these kind of things and be out there with that. And, you know, it's part of your dream. And I know we're getting kind of close to wrapping up. Is there anything else that you'd like to touch on before I ask you our like two final fun questions? And you've kind of gone over some of these things, I know, because I'm like, I know what you're going to say for some of these answers, but oh my God. is there anything else that you'd like to touch or share before I ask? Oh, just absolutely to what you just said. Exactly. That is why we need space. And there's a lot of ways that people can be allies to that. And, you know, that might be a whole different podcast (laughs) episode. But yeah, no, go ahead. Go for it. Okay, Mariah. What is your dreamy dream? Like, oh, like, what do you imagine for yourself? Maybe not necessarily even for yourself, but for your community. Where do you see yourself, like, happiest in the future? Like, where does Mariah see, where do you see yourself in that, like, picture perfect story? No such thing as perfect. What do you want to do with that? I know there's so much. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Do we have another hour? No. Hello. Oh, I love this question because I especially had a very profound weekend of deep healing with my oldest daughter, who's 18, and just like, I thought so much about her and her friends who are also teenagers, and I just love them so much, and you know, I work with like foster youth a lot, and my dad was in foster care when he was younger, and so I just 
I have kids, I see kids and I see myself and remember the things that happened with my parents. And and then in the last, actually through COVID, so many things happened. This is also a whole nother podcast because my dad and we have to have him on the show sometime. But uh, the healing that has been happening intergenerationally, you know, the ancestral work is a deep and ongoing relationship that's built. And I guess not to say that our intergenerational ones are the ones in our close nuclear family, but I have been appreciating how me and my kids have grown through this kind of work and even through with my parents and for when that can happen, it is, (laughs) it's just so incredible. And so I see things like this being normalized, but not co-opted. You know what I mean? Like they become more normalized. They're talked about. I don't want to feel afraid to let someone know that like incredible, like love and trust and rebuilding and like actual growth and healing has happened because of the application of medicine work in my life. I'm like, Why would I be ashamed to share that or to be afraid to who, like a government official? Like, I think that it gets more ridiculous as you start thinking about like, what do you feel comfortable sharing and not sharing? And I'm just like, I would love to tell the story of healing in my, my broken ass family. Like how the things that have happened in my family, I'm like, if this is possible for us, I would be delighted to see it happen in other people. Kind of off a tangent there, but what my dreamy dream is, is seeing more of that. And I think I had to kind of start by describing that because part of the thing that was coming through in ceremony this weekend was when we get to these, like when there's a little bit less work to do where we're not all completely deep in our trauma, we can allow ourselves to expand into like these really brilliant other things and technologies and creations. And that is exactly what I have been holding as a vision for, for just myself, for medicine collective, whatever, for me and my friends truly to just be like, go off on some like serious, brilliant engineering, creative, like community art slash like planet healing projects, because it takes a lot of energy to constantly be healing and Mm. to do this work. But if you can kind of get to these places where you can relax a little, which is really what I think we're all trying to get to, we need to be also like acquaint ourselves with like, what does it feel like to be there? And then what do you do? And it's like, I just hear that the answer is, well, from there we can create more, more beauty and more solutions on our beautiful Mother Earth and clean things up and take care of them and continue to teach more people how to do that. But there just can be so many other ways. And, you know, it takes a lot. Like you were saying with admin, like we need people to be in admin, like we need scientists to, we need like kids, these teenagers to like have support to grow and expand and dream in a way that is also anchored into the ancestors that we're becoming, the elder that I am becoming, the grandmother that I'm going to be one day, like I'm going to remind these kids to stay connected to their heart, to stay connected to their spirit. So whatever it is they build, flying cars or microplastic 
ocean catching systems, fungi that eat plastic, <laughs> whatever, you know, all these things. Make it easy, make it fun and enjoy life with that. And and that's why we need this healing because it will give us more space in our day to just like take a deep breath and think, what can I co-create here in this beautiful universe? So that's kind of the dreamy dream. I love it. I will require some space to do that. So also the land. (laughs) Back once again, land back. Back back to the land back. Our final question, I kind of talked about this just, just, just a moment ago, and that is, what does healing mean to you? (laughs) <laughs> so yeah like all the things i just said and more oh so here we gosh. go <laughs> yeah it's all the things i said <laughs> and yeah i think that it means integration and really just bringing ourselves back into wholeness seeing ourselves completely in all of our parts with an honest look with a loving loving gaze and to, you know, move into our best self. It's a hard thing to put into words at the end of our talk, because I feel like this whole talk was kind of so much about that. Mm -hmm. And it really puts one to task to try to summarize it. But I think that if you can't say something really simply, then it isn't really distilled quite enough. And so I do think that healing can be really simple. And I think that it's really innocent. And it is just to come back into alignment with love and then apply that to all of yourself. I love that. That's, that's, Maybe. that's a, yeah, no, it's, yeah, it's, that is wonderful. Like, yeah, what a great way to actually end this podcast. Like, Oh, Mariah, like, (laughs) we appreciate these conversations. There are going to be so many more of these that we're going to have with you. Um, We're going to be collaborating on so many things in our future. I hope you guys, like, look out for that. I have so many ideas that run through my head, and they run through Mariah's and Becca's, and they're running out. Uh, We'll we'll catch them one day. We'll catch them. They're they're flying (laughs) above us. But, um, like I said, we appreciate you in so many different ways. Now, where would our um, our audience, where could they find you? Because, you know, people are going to want to hit you up and support you and give you some land and a couple million dollars. Oh. And so we need to we need to tell them where to find you. Where is the best place to reach you at? Awesome. Yes, please. So anyone who would like to give some land back, please just email. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, you can connect with me through, I have a website, medicinecollective.com. You can find my email on there. And then also you can find bits and pieces of my journey through Instagram at medicine.collective. Yeah, that's what it is. Yes. So that would be a great way to reach me. Probably through email. Probably through email. Yeah. Check out what we're doing and stay connected. Thank you guys so much for having me. And I just really want to extend my gratitude and respect for you, Alon, and you, Becca, for just being allies in this walk. And it's been just so wonderful to see Brooding Bodies take off and be recording it in Medicine Collective and be watching how this work goes. And I know how 
we are all like coming across this path like as babies. We haven't ever done this before. It's 2021 and I was reminded of something that my uncle once said and it is that we don't walk in the footsteps of our ancestors but we see where they're going and we continue their walk and we take forward the wisdoms with us and continue on that road and so a lot of our steps are new and I just really want to honor that and appreciate the work that you guys pour into this and into lifting up our communities and to just continuing to move with integrity and uh the sharpness of like really discerning what is going to be of value here so thank you thank you thank you for having me mahalo thank you thank you good work well received got a little goosebumps there at the end (laughs) okay thank you everybody until next time that's the end of today's episode there's still so much to talk about to get involved or become a supporting member please visit fruitingbodiescollective.com you can also find us on instagram at fruitingbodiesco special thank you to our season two sponsors dr bronner's mimosa therapeutics and psychedelics today Until next time, be like the mushrooms, stay connected, transform dead things, and grow on your own timeline.